Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. All right, we are in the house. Thank you for joining us tonight, everybody. We're so glad you're out there. Glad you're still there. Glad anybody's still here after all we've endured in the last few weeks. Oh, my lads. The election's over. Yay, yay. No more politics. We're still waiting on results, but still no more. Oh, my lads. Well, anyway, welcome, everybody, to the Bible Live. This is the Soapster. Stacy is right here with me, my daughter Stacy. And John's here, ready to take your phone call, 340-9585, area code 210. 340-9585. That's our phone number for the next 90 minutes. We're going to be uh, talking about all things biblical. And um, this is a very special day. We're yeah. starting another year. This is our 20th year to read through the Bible, our 20th journey throughout the scriptures. So we're um, we're getting ready to make our way and uh, through another time. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. That's for you, Stacey. <laughs> anyway, we are ready to get, make it through another year, and we started out at the only the only time baseball is mentioned in the Bible. The Genesis 1-1, in and. the beginning. <laughs> so we're going to start off on the big inning. <laughs> John's looking. <laughs> I can't believe your, your theological... Uh, education is incomplete if you've not heard that before. (laughs) Anyway, um, tennis is also mentioned in the Bible. Joseph served in Pharaoh's court. (laughs) You don't remember? No, that was Moses, I guess. Served in Pharaoh's court. Who was it? Somebody's Joseph. Joseph? Yeah, yeah, it was Joseph. Uh, Anyway, so we're done with the silliness for for the evening. But what about football? Oh, football. There's got to be a football in there. We're not supposed to touch the big skin, are we? (laughs) That's right. We're not supposed to. It would be unclean to touch the big skin. Anyway, we'll get get to the Bible live now. We've started off this last week. We read Genesis chapters 1 through 21. We started out at the very beginning, and this is the first reading from the scriptures for this year well this time next year when you come back around we'll be back to read genesis 1 1 again but now we've got a a, another journey around the horn first base second base third base back to home again that's what we do here on the bible live so this week we read genesis 1 through 21 yeah honey i really loved just the flow and how things, you know, which uh, books has fallen where in terms of what's happening in the world around us. And oh, so yeah. Good, good job. I, it I just know. works out beautifully. Yeah. I mean, it is so much fun. And every book has its message. Every book has its beauty. 
uh, its its singularity, its uniqueness. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's just a wonderful and it's, journey. And it's relevant. So it just Each seems one, cool. more and more. As the yeah. years go by, it seems like it becomes more and more relevant. Mm-hmm. So here we are, the book of Genesis now. If you have not been following along with us and reading through the scriptures with us, we invite you to join us. Now, if you've got a plan, you're already reading through the scriptures every year, uh, you know, go with it and, and keep it up. We salute you and encourage you and congratulate you. But if you've always wanted to read through the Bible but just never been able to kind of do it and or maybe help, would help to have go with us. So uh, you can go to thebiblelive.com. Like Saturday Night Live, it's not The Bible Alive. It's thebiblelive.com. And go there, and uh, all of the readings are there. We don't we don't read them on the air anymore. We we've uh, we stopped uh, reading them on the air. I think it was 2015. I think we've been down doing it online for a number of years now. I guess last couple of years we've been online. So you can we you go now to our podcast, and you can get it on your phone or your you know whatever uh, your desktop or your laptop or wherever it is you get online. You can go to thebiblelive.com and go to our podcast, and there it is. The the scheduled reading for every week is right there. You can listen to it. If you miss a day, you can get, go back and catch it from at the earlier date and read it and listen to it again. Uh, a 15 to 20-minute reading each and every day, five days a week, Monday through Friday, or any day you want to listen to it, of course. And you can go through the Bible with us here on the Sunday nights. Though Stacy and I are here, and we uh, we just gonna we we get a chance to comment and talk about the passages we read this last week. And we have in front of us, I guess, I've got a total over fifty questions, forty. 58, 58 questions here. And that's another feature of the website. If you go to thebiblelive.com, you'll find the readings. You'll find all kinds of uh, resources and helps and encouragement there about the scriptures and about the word. And also uh, there's um, questions each week. There's a list of questions taken from the Bible readings that week. And you can use it as a study guide and just go through and it has the question and then it has the answer. Um, and those are some of the questions that sometimes we give out here on the on the broadcast. We ask those, and so you'd be prepared for that and so on. Anyway, there we go. Uh, whose phone was that? No, <laughs> yes, I, I was just ask. yes, John. John's raising his hand okay. like in the schoolroom. No, I was going to ask since you're starting a new year. Mm-hmm. With all the times that you've read the Bible and gone through it, through it in its entirety, do you still find yourself learning new things or oh my goodness new things in the stories in the text we do do without a doubt john i'm i'm relearning things i learned and forgot mm-hmm. <laughs> and then yeah. there's always new insights and new uh stacy gave me some tonight remember you were talking when we mm-hmm. we were kind of going through uh uh we we always spend separately during the week we we think about the text and we ponder it and google things and <laughs> And prepare ourselves, and then when we get together on Sunday to talk about the broadcast, you came out with some things tonight that are really, really helpful. And and when we get to Genesis chapter 15 in particular, she has some great information there about the covenant that God made with Abraham uh, in Genesis chapter 15. So I look forward to that. So it wasn't something I didn't know before. You know, when you get to be my age, you've pretty much heard everything at least one time in your life. Although every now and again, there's a totally new perspective, a new insight. Uh, but this was something I, I, I remember 
from the past and all, but she remembered the details, and it really it was very, very exciting. You're right, Johnny. Every every week, every year, you find new things. It's exciting. And why is it exciting? Not just because, oh, I know the Bible. You know, I know this verse or that. But this Bible, particularly, I'm going to say, the book of Genesis, and we need to get into it, don't we, tonight? But especially the book of Genesis um, and the Bible in its entirety, it is not, it, it's history, yes. It, it's uh, instructions and guidance for our lives. It's poetry, different different literary si- styles represented in the scriptures. But but essentially, what we're getting here is a, a biblical worldview. We're getting the the basis upon which we live our lives every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the closer you can get to where you walk out of your house every morning, you wake up in the morning, you open your eyes, and and, and you're beginning to live. God is describing for us the world we live in, yeah. everything about it, the dynamics of this life, what makes this life work. He describes elements of this life, realities that we have to uh, take into account and live with. And the closer you come to you, it's the idea is that we're living the truth. Yeah. If you're trying to survive mm. a new, if you if you land on an island and you're trying to survive in that island, your best shot is by understanding the island <laughs> or yeah. understanding the way things work so that you can best exactly. Them. And it, I, and that is. And if somebody left is, a book on the island and you picked it you up and it said, oh, "This is what the you know this is what happens the year goes this through this is the season this is where you are this is the kind of food you can eat this is the kind of food you don't <laughs> want to eat right. and these are the kind of animals that live here." Yeah. And it was a blah blah blah. Uh, this, no blah blah blah. That would right. be a precious book to you. Right. In that case. And that's what Genesis does. Yeah. It's God's His handbook yeah. for life. This is your nature. This is the nature of the world around you. This is how you navigate it. This is my relationship with you as Creator. It also reminds yeah. me of um, C.S. Lewis's that first things principle. I always think it. You don't get second things by putting them first. You only get second things by putting first things first. And I think Genesis is quite literally, well, it's the first book. The first thing. It's the first book, yeah. Yeah, it it is. So, okay, if we want those first things, I mean, if we want second things, if we want, you know, to live a, a healthy life, if we would like to be fruitful, if we would like to have meaning, and if we would like... um abundance and if we would like a lot of those second things if we want to know what life is all about and right. in all of its details and then, even. then we want to put a first thing for we want to worship something we want to put a first thing first but how do we do that and i think that genesis is mm. that answer and it is that. the starting place it's and, and it's really exciting to read it uh because it's it is genesis the very word means beginnings yeah. and it, it's the beginning it's where god in some ways in very important ways, I think God sets the table in in the in this you know God's book here in these opening chapters, this opening book. So, so many things happen for the first time: the first musician, the first city, the first this, the first that, the other. You can, as you read through it, it'll say that. But what we get is this is the essence of what is happening. This is what human life and human experience. Um, generation after generation, millennia after millennium, and uh, this is what human life is about. And so the place is set for us to understand our human experience and to be uh, to understand it and to choose what side of it, I guess, we're going to be on. That's what it's all about, ultimately, is choosing each of us individually um, 
God's kingdom. If I want to be a part of God's people forever. That is what we see in, in the book of, of Genesis, that we're going to see the, the purpose of God. Uh, so let's get started. Let's try to get started so we don't take too much time. Uh, let's take chapters 1. We read this week chapters 1 through 21. Uh, but this easily, the book of Genesis, uh, easily, I think we could break it down into chapters 1 through 3 have to do with the creation of the world the creation of humanity, the human race, and uh, the important element theologically is creation of human race, the idea of a relationship with the creator, uh, and then the important thing that takes place is the fall, the fall of man into sin, uh, the, the sin nature, and we'll, we'll talk about all of this in detail, what it means uh, and what it means to us today. We're still living uh, in this world that God created from the beginning. Now, what we have to see is God wasn't didn't create the world and get up there, and all of a sudden mankind messed up, and God went, oh, no, what am I going to do now? Oh, let me see, what do we have to do? And then he improvises and says, I'll have to do this, i have to do that. What we see is that God created the world with the world we know today, the world that we have around us today in our, our human experience, he had that in mind. This Everything is playing out according to the pattern, the plan that God um, created from the very beginning. So let's let's talk about that a little bit, Stacey, uh, if we can get a good start. Particularly, let's go to chapters 1 through 3. Mm-hmm. Let's not get – we're not going to get buried here in um, the, the controversy or the discussion of, of – um, creation versus evolution that the bible doesn't do that the bible just starts out with the fact in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and it doesn't give an explanation in all great detail it it it, it does there's a wonderful story there in six days and we don't know if those are literal or we if they were you know we don't know no one was there mm-hmm. i wasn't there john wasn't there mm-hmm. uh and uh, so no one was there. We don't know exactly, um, but we know this this beautiful story of how God created and the the purposes of God in creation clearly come out to us. So um, now I'm I'm per- totally satisfied to just go with the narrative we have six days of creation, mm-hmm. uh, whatever that might have meant in that era in that time. Uh, I, I I don't know. There's a, you know you can Google so many. Yeah. Phys, you know, physics, I mean, there, there's doctorates in physics and so on who talk about the Bible, how how uh, clearly understandable it is, uh, even scientifically as, as you go to it. Um, there are greater minds than mine in, in that sense. Uh, and I love it. I go to it and I've studied and I've listened. But that's not what the Bible does. It says God created the heavens and the earth. Now, both the, the theistic divine creation uh, view uh, it requires faith. Yeah, it means that we trust that God, the God who created, the God who is there. Uh, but scientifically, uh, the atheistic scientific view, although they don't admit it, see, that's in some ways the scientific view, the Christian or theological, biblical view, creation view, is actually more scientific 
in many, many ways than the evolution and the, all the other. Um, in the sense that it requires less faith. Is that what you mean? Well, in, in two ways. One, both of them require faith. Right. But the, Christ, the, the biblical perspective is honest. Mm-hmm. We do say it, it requires faith. faith. It, right. we, we do know. Uh, the, the the interesting thing about so many of Dawkins and Sagan and all of these others that famous uh, uh, atheistic or agnostic, uh, they don't want to admit that There's evolution requires faith. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a religion just like anything else. It has its presuppositions, and, uh, and, um, and of course, it cannot explain both of them. Uh, evolution breaks, uh, I don't know, some of the most important laws that we have, the law of biogenesis, the origin of life, life, <laughs> life come. There's no natural process that can account for life's or origins, mm-hmm. Not, none whatsoever. It's uh, the law of uh, biogenesis, the law of uh, biological information. Now that we know more about DNA, now that we more, know more about genetics, we understand that each cell, each mm-hmm. tiny cell is 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 carries a, a data a information that is just mind-boggling to yeah. tells it where to go what to do how it's going to function how to re- procreate how to multiply it, it's uh, the 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 laws of biological information that certainly aren't met through any of the understanding and, and of course that's fairly recent and then finally just the oldest uh the the laws of thermodynamics the idea the energy conservation uh, energy is neither created nor destroyed but it only changes forms and energy lost the the idea is that energy is always lost it's never gains energy we're not on the momentum getting you know flying higher and going faster we're going slower and 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 and, and we're lower. decelerating <laughs> yeah we're going slower and and we're coming low, going lower and then of course the idea of uh, uh entropy it's a part of the laws of thermodynamics that that um never things do not move from uh from chaos to order right. <laughs> things move from order an order to chaos, to chaos. and that's those are laws there's and we're not just good and getting better that's not what happens and that's of course what evolution is all about but that's nothing in science uh, that breaks every rule of science. And so that's fine. I mean, people can postulate all they want, but uh, what has happened now is it, it became political. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, as as back when, back in your father's youth, <laughs> when I was a kid, kiddo, uh, you know, we, we, we read about, we heard about, we studied uh, in our science classes, uh, mm-hmm. both the genesis, both the creation element and the, and the atheistic evolution point of view. But now it became political, and, and uh, the idea and the teaching about creation has uh, become a little bit um, and that's sad pushed out of the public that arena. That is to me one of the most, especially for a child and kind of at a young age, that's one of the sweetest gifts you can give a child is that God loves you and he created this world and the beauty in it yes. and the order is meaningful and it's rich. And and I don't know, there it... it um, it's warm and it's environment. I mean, I, and, and it's true. I believe. Yeah, so. and it's true. And it happens yes, to be exactly. True. But uh, to take that out of a child's education, I, 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 to me, is very sad. Oh yeah, and it makes sense of us as we are. Yes. If we are, you tell a small child, you know, you're just the product of, of 
you know, kind of a Some slime, kind of something cold. crawling out out of the slime and out of the mud, and you know, they're, they're, and there's nothing special about you. You're Aww. just the, it's just heartbreaking. <laughs> yes. But there's a yeah. really sweet, mm-hmm. just a parenthesis here for anybody mm-hmm. out there. Uh, there's a sweet um, song. A ch- it's a children's song, Ellie Holcomb, and she wrote a song about creation, and it's a children's song. We've I've played it. You know, that was sing, 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 uh-huh. sing, and then um, so anybody out there, if y'all have kids and you're uh, it's a the album's called Sing and it's Ellie Holcomb and Ellie E L L I E uh huh Holcomb and like a bunch a bunch of Holcomb like H O K U M H O L C O M Oh a Holcomb Oh I see If you do have kids and you and you have a creation song it's a song about creation and the culmination is God created you and that was the and anyway so just a little good. Good, Stace. That's that yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's t- <laughs> let's take Genesis here. And I, I'm trying to get us to this. The, essentially, what we're going to, the way we're going to outline this from the book of Genesis, the opening chapters, chapters one through three, uh, basically had to do with creation. You meet the God of creation, mm-hmm. and and this is basic, folks. You, if you're gonna, if, if, even for the whole rest of the Bible, when you read the word God, you're going to have to understand. Who the God? Who the God of the Bible is? And very, at the very beginning, the God is a is a um, God is a triune God. God is a plural. He's There's a plurality in the Godhead. Yeah. God is. Uh, there are multiple persons, and, and this isn't just something that some Christians somehow made up. It's in the Scriptures itself. All through the Scriptures, God is spoken of in a plurality. Uh, let us make man in our image, mm-hmm. uh, and th- you know the in the way God did the 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 language of G- the book of Genesis is, is that there is there are three distinct persons, a multiple uh, plurality of persons in the Godhead, one being, one God, one being, one God, three but three distinct persons. persons, and the miracle of that, the miracle of the Trinity is a miracle of relationship. The you know I, I don't it may be mean more than that beyond our comprehension the oneness in the godhead it may be something that God is spirit for one we know that God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship in truth and in spirit Jesus the Messiah gave us that truth very clearly that God is spirit and so therefore not subject to the laws that govern the created world uh, the physical world around us but God is a spirit. But there are three distinct persons. We know them now because, principally, because of the teaching of Messiah Jesus Himself. Not exclusively; it's found in other parts of the Bible as well. But we know these three persons of the Godhead as Father, Son, and Spirit. Right. So but, you're saying it could, it could be more, but at the very least, it's a miracle of relation. Yes, of it's a miracle of relationship. It may mean something far more beyond our comprehension which I assume it does, uh, everything about God. But we do know that it is true that there are three distinct persons and they dwell together in perfect, harmonious relationship in their their love for each other, in their character, in their desire, their their will, their, their plan, and in their action. They function as one. The three 
love each other. The only competition you'll ever find between God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit is just which one loves the other the most. (laughs) uh, There's a wonderful, beautiful, and see, that's hopeful to us as as human beings because what is our greatest longing, what is our greatest desire as human beings is relationship. Mm -hmm. We, too, are created for that relationship and what is hopeful about it but see all of our relationships fall apart because of the sin nature and our and our own limitation Uh, but god is part of the redemptive plan is that god is bringing us according to jesus in john chapter 17 god's redemptive plan is designed to bring us his people into that oneness harmonious relationship with the in the godhead remember jesus said Father, bring them into that love relationship that you and I have enjoyed from eternity past. So we are being brought into that oneness, harmonious relationship with our God and with each other as the people of God. So it's not only a practical, beautiful statement of fact about the Godhead, but it's also practical to us because we're, that's the whole point of this biblical yeah. narrative and this redemptive plan is that we are being brought into that oneness relationship. God is calling out a people for himself. I will be their God. They will be my people. So we see this in the book of Genesis, the God of creation. We see man created in his image, intellect, emotion, and will, body, soul, spirit. We, we too are being drawn, and we don't have time tonight to go into detail about the biblical anthropology. Uh, Paul talks about it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, that we are body, soul, and spirit. We can talk about that further uh, 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 other times as well. But man created in God's image and then the world around us. We'll we'll come back and describe the world that God created around us. I want to mention to you a a video that you can watch called The Privileged Planet. The Privileged Planet. The uniqueness of planet Earth seen even from today's uh, scientific understanding. We see how remarkably unique and Practically, there's never been another planet found anywhere that that has the characteristics. And it sounds, it seems like God has just given us not only a place to live and dwell, but He's put us in the bleacher seats so we can observe His creation, the galaxies. Well, that's as far as we can go right now. We'll come back and talk about this world we live in, created by God, in our next segment here on the Bible Live. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Let there be light. God saw it was good, the light of day, the dark of night, and just as he said, so it was made, this was the first day. All right. Thank you, John. I think you you find the good ones. Each time. So let me see. What do I do here to stop that? Do I do anything? No, I can just let it play out. All right. Let's go on to our next segment. We're talking about the book of Genesis. This is the Bible Live. I do want to remind you, you can call in anytime you would like, 210-340-9585. If you'd like to uh, throw out an idea, ask a question, or maybe share something that you've gleaned. And your thoughts about uh, Genesis and the creation of the world and, and the God of the Bible. Uh, anything biblical, we'd be glad to take your call. Uh, it's all going to be related in some way to what we're reading, what we read this week, because the book of Genesis 
sets the table for the rest of the Bible. The God that is introduced, the world that is created, the, the men and women that inhabit the world, uh, the, 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 the great truth, the central truths of our existence are laid out for us in the book of Genesis. Now, we've talked about the triune God of, of, the, of the Bible that appears here in the book of Genesis. Uh, let us create man in our image, the plurality of the, the words and the language, uh, and, and in many other ways. We, we see that in the uh, book of Genesis. We see that man created in God's image. We are personal. We have the opportunity and, and created for a relationship. Mm -hmm. We, too, are created for relationship with God. Mm -hmm. uh, the idea that the purpose of creation was to create a race of beings with whom God could could have a love relationship, mm -hmm. and love has to be by choice. By choice. That yeah. must be, so there had and to I be think free will. The central, the central, so he is a relational God, but that doesn't necessarily mean... Um, so, and I, I think that's what we wait for with bated breath. When we take a look at God as a human, for the most part, clearly He's all powerful. Mm -hmm. He is Creator. He has made the rules. He created us. He's all powerful. But can we know Him? And and and, and then too, He's okay. It's seemingly that He would be relational, uh, just in the world and kind of how everything relates to everything. He would seem to be kind of this relational. But even still. He could be all-powerful and he could be relational, but he might not love us. Yeah. And I think that's the thing we wait for with bated breath is, does he love us? No, what he might be is knowable uh -huh. because God presents himself in the, in the, as yeah. a personal God. Yeah. Yeah. But is he knowable? Is he knowable? Is it possible for right. me to, to know, know him? him? Or to know his love for us. Or, or <laughs> I don't it, want to necessarily. Is it possible because of the nature of creation? Right. And is it possible so, yeah. that... If we are going to know him, it's only it, it's only going to be because he reveals himself. Yeah. He makes himself knowable. He mm -hmm. extends first. We love him because he first loved yeah. us. Yeah. And so that, that all of that's found in this, this book. That's the God of the creation, and that's the the nature of men. We were created to know him. Uh, uh, we are personal. We seek relationships as well. And we we are in. That's the whole idea. Is God is now going to call out of the human race, mm -hmm. out of all the, every man, woman, child that's ever lived on planet Earth. God is called out of the human race of people for Himself, and He's made a provision for those who know Him, who want Him, who desire Him, who love Him, who long for Him. He's made a provision for by which we can be reconciled to Him and can experience Him. In our life here and on into eternity. That's as it was always, <clears throat> That's what's revealed. And as it was always intended to be. Yes. That was the intention from the beginning is that we would walk with him, talk with yes. him, have fellowship but with him. We ha we cannot say half the truth. <clears throat> on the other hand, <clears throat> it was also clearly understood because this was a matter of choice yes. that there would be from this human race, those who do not choose right. to know God, love God, desire God, follow God, obey God, trust God. Mm -hmm. And and so that that is the point is that the, and that, too, is provided for mm -hmm. uh, that's we do have free will as human beings to love God, want God, desire God or reject God mm -hmm. and choose other uh, ourself or other gods or other beliefs, whatever. We can reject God. And that, too, 
is part of the creative plan of God. The, in, the, in the day that you eat of that tree, he told them at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Mm-hmm. You will, you, you, death meaning separation from God, that relationship is broken. And it leads, of course, then, as we know, to, to physical death as well. But ultimately, it, primarily, it's a spiritual death. Mm-hmm. And so we see that happening and taking place. All, all of this, the plan of God is that he put this race in place to preserve it, over the centuries, over the, the the millennia, and that he's calling out out of every generation, every people, every age, old, young, boys, girls, he's calling out a people for himself to be with him forever. And it all started. I mean, in terms of that promise, I just you said it that the the I mean Genesis by Genesis three, he's already promising that he's going to send a redeemer. That yes, he's going to very important. And yeah. I I just think that. That's a sweet reminder that in Genesis yes. 3, we don't even get into four yeah. chapters before. We didn't make it very long, <laughs> did we? No, I mean, really. Well, we don't know for sure right. because the time's not laid out. But it, it seems that we, it, we were still in the Garden of Eden. Uh, now Adam and Eve uh, had children. Their children had children. The human race began to to grow and multiply as he had told them to do, be fruitful and multiply, spread out over all, over all the earth. And and but early on, a they ate of the fruit of the knowledge of the tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See how well titled that tree is. Mm-hmm. This becomes the relationship with God was based on: Do we desire Him? Want Him? Will we obey? Trust and obey God, mm-hmm. uh, or and remain in that relation or not? And they did not. And so mankind, because see, you and I, I usually ask uh, a bunch of people if I'm teaching a group, where were you when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden? Hmm? John, would you know? Where were you when Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden? Where you, you, was I? Where? Did you ask me where I was? Yeah. I wasn't even alive. So. Well, you were in them, though. Did you know that? Genetically, we understand that now more days. All of the genetic material that made up every human being that's ever lived on the planet Earth was resident resident there in the first couple. All of the the potential of every human being was found in those two first human beings. And we were all, that's how the whole race came under the consequences of their sin. Mm -hmm. We all came under the, the consequences, the judgment for their sin. But he immediately... God says, I'm, I'm making a provision. There's going to be, a, as you said, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 is the first literary, the first verbal promise mm-hmm. of a Messiah, a Savior, a Redeemer. Mm-hmm. He said to the woman, I will, to the, he said to the serpent, uh, whom Satan was using as, as a tool to bring about, to tempt and deceive Adam and Eve and to bring about their fall, he says, I'm going to uh, put an enmity between you and humans, uh, the seed of your seed and the seed of the woman, and that he, singular, a male, a human being, not a mm-hmm. terrestrial, you know, extraterrestrial, not an angel, not an animal, mm-hmm. a human being, a male of the species, is going to crush your head, although you will wound him in the heel. He shall, yeah, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that first promise, verbal promise. Now, yes. immediate, there were other, just as there are throughout the Old Testament now, it's going to be continued to present. That is the, the foundation of the redemptive plan of God is that there's going to be a redeemer. There's going to be a, an Adam, another Adam who comes, Adam. who doesn't fall, 
who doesn't disobey, who doesn't fall into sin, who keeps uh, himself pure and keeps trusting God. And, and he, then, a lamb without blemish and without spot, he will be killed on our behalf. He's quite literally, I mean, a, a, a different genetic makeup, quite literally, a very different. And so but still we, holy human being, holy yes, male. Yes, and, but, and, and so and last that Adam. is why we do become a new creation in him. So we are no longer in and of Adam and Eve, we are in and of yeah. now Jesus. Biologically, we are part of, we're children of Adam right. and Eve. Yes. But Sons spiritually, yeah. we have become now a new creation in Christ, and we become a part of the again. race of the redeemed, yeah. a new race yeah. uh, uh, with Jesus as the, the last, uh, the head of, of the new creation, yeah. a new redeemed uh, race. So it, it's just, oh, it all fits together so perfectly, <laughs> it so but it has its beginning. Yeah. Right here in the book of Genesis. Now, we, we talked about the God of creation uh, that's presented here in the book of Genesis and all through the Bible. We talk about man uh, in the Garden of Eden, created uh, innocence mm-hmm. and perfect in relationship, walked with God in the, in the still of the evening. Mm-hmm. I love that phrase in the, in the, new, in the Bible, uh, that walked with God in the, in the, in, in the cool of the evening. Uh, wonderful. And they, they learned from God. and they, But then there was a tree a of the knowledge of good and evil that will we walk with God, will we obey him, will we trust him? And they did not. And he told them, in the day that you eat of that, you will die. Spiritually, begin the process of spiritual death and begin the process of dying physically as well. And then um, they're taken out of the garden so they don't eat of the tree of life. Now, that one we don't know quite as much about. But it sounds very much like the tree of life is the fruit that you would take of and live forever in that state, evidently. So it says that they are taken from the tree of the Garden of Eden so that they can't eat of the garden of the tree of life and and live forever in the in the fallen state of sin. It was a mercy. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it was his mercy. It sounds like that. Mm -hmm. And, And so they're taken out. Uh, and, and they're put into this world, and, 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 and Adam is told he must work by the sweat of his brow. He'd raise his food and that sort of thing. Uh, Eve would, uh, the pain of pregnancy and the bearing of children and the, and the tension between the male and the female. The, the, the war of the, the gender wars is not just a, mm-hmm. it, it has a little bit of a basis. Uh, the, the reason we can't experience the kind of oneness and unity that even we would like in our uh, friendships and marriages in some ways might have some basis right there in Genesis as well. So here we have mankind, uh, and, and they're told to be fruitful and multiply and spread out over all the earth. Mm-hmm. That's a significant command because the command, of, the idea was God is with them was that God they would spread out over the earth, that man would diversify. There would be people raised on the islands, people raised in the mountains, some people in the desert, other people on the coastline with the sea on different lifestyles and different vocabularies and different clothes and different foods, that there would be a diversity in the human race. They were told to do that, but they didn't do it. That's one of the significant truths from the book of Genesis. Early, Adam and Eve were told to spread out and multiply and diversify. They did not do it. Now, by the time you get from chapters 1 and 3, this story of of the fall of man and the the, kind of the beginnings of the, the status of man and what our purpose is, then you get into the world that they lived in was though uh, there were believers and non-believers. Mm-hmm. There were, uh, Cain killed his brother Abel. They, they had these two sons. 
Cain did not want to follow God, obey God, trust God. Abel did. He brought a sacrifice that, like his mother and father taught him, the soul that sins, it should die. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. He brought a lamb. His his brother brought the fruit of his own labor, his his uh, uh, garden vegetables, I guess. And then Cain, out of anger or jealousy, whatever it was, killed Abel. Then another son, Seth, came who would take up the, the godly lineage, the godly line. But what you're going to see from chapters uh, 3 through 6 is the human race growing, multiplying, uh, more and more people. Uh, you looked up what someone said they thought maybe the population of the world was, perhaps in Genesis chapter 6. That's amazing. Uh, so many more than what I thought. When I think of Noah and the flood, I you know, I don't think of a population with the numbers. Uh, they guess that it is about 750 million. If you take the growth rate from um, what the growth rate was in 2000, if you take that growth rate and apply it, then it would have been about 750 million. If you uh, take into account the, the extended lifespans and add that into the growth rate, it could have been as high as 4 billion people mm-hmm. alive at that time. Wow. So, yeah, that was from... Uh, now, those are just estimates, but, just I mean, estimates, yes. they did... <coughs> the, not I mean, there were generations... It's not a colony. This is a full... <coughs> there were generations, but they they stayed together. Mm-hmm. They did not spread out and multiply over the, all the earth. They stayed together, and, and for that reason, they walked together in lockstep, the, the race... Mm-hmm. Uh, the the mob mentality set in against God, mm-hmm. and and by the time you get to Genesis six, mm-hmm. the whole human race has become defiled and 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 uh, rejecting God. There's only one man and his wife and his three sons and their wives. Eight people mm-hmm. who, That's as amazing. we look in the Genesis, the record, uh, only one family group there worshipped God and followed after God. Mm-hmm. And Noah preached to his fellow human uh, human beings. He preached. God calling them back to God, calling them to trust the true and living God, the Creator, <clears throat> for many years, a hundred years <clears throat> before the flood. He preached even as he prepared this ark that God had told him to build, you know, uh, so many cubits by so many cubits. And, and that, that story is told in Genesis 6 there, the story of Noah. Uh, and and then the the humanity had become so defiled and so... Uh, lost in sin and corruption, uh, that they they came under the God's judgment. The human race was judged. You see the flood of Noah in chapter six of Genesis. Um, but the pattern is set. The idea is that the, the human race breaks into these two groups: those who love God, desire God, want God, and those that either want another God or don't want God or want themselves to be God. Uh, all kinds of mm-hmm. <laughs> diverse ways of rejecting the true and living God. And so we see um, Noah and the flood. <clears throat> We're not going to go into the detail of those. There are so many details that could be mentioned. Maybe some of our listeners have a thought about any of these details that you'd like to call in about, 210-340-9585. If you have a comment about Adam and Eve, you have a comment about um, Noah in the time of Noah and the flood and so on, you can give us a call. We'd love to hear from you and your thoughts as well. But we see this purpose of God. The human race begins to divide along those lines. And the, so Noah comes out of the ark. His family, they they they, create, they put an altar up. They sacrifice to God. Again, this idea of the soul that sins should die, that the way 
the the openness the way to approach god is through humility and repentance for sin and trusting in the goodness and grace of god to provide a substitute mm-hmm. the, the 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 principle of of atonement uh substitutionary atonement that from the very beginning is clearly god right. presents to adam and eve and to these right. people the principle to reconciliation with God is trust in Him uh, that God is going to produce and present to a, 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 a substitution, an atoning right. one who would bear our sin. And I think too, one of the when we kind of, I don't know if we did hit on this too much, but one thing also that Genesis very clearly sets um, and, and is is sin, the devastation and the real consequences of. Sin. And when we forget that, um, yeah. then uh, we have we are not reading the world accurately. And that is one of the first things that Adam and Eve had to yes. witness when they sinned was an animal had to, you know, they were clothed in animal skins after that. Let's talk about and that. They, go yeah. ahead and go ahead and finish that thought. When Adam and Eve, before that, I mentioned that they were dwelling in perfect harmony with with each yeah. other. The they animals, walked in the cool of the evening was, with God mm-hmm. himself. Heaven, Every provision right? of life was <laughs> yeah. made for them. Mm-hmm. But then they they sinned, and immediately we read the uh, yeah. if we read the the biblical presentation, immediately they they felt the effects. Mm-hmm. T- talk to us a little bit about mm-hmm. how sin affected them and what God yeah. told them about that sin and the provision that He made for it. Right. Well, it would have been well immediately they reckoned the knowledge of good and evil, and so they they saw themselves and they experienced shame in their mm-hmm. nakedness. Uh, which they had before then had not. It was mm-hmm. innocence. And so, uh, um, well, you know, God provided. Okay, well, there, there are some nearby animals. And they clothing. made the blame game. They played the you know, blame. Yeah, she, the fault. woman it's you gave fault. me, it was yeah. her fault. You know, right. she, and whatever. Right. And the, so and they so began to, you discord, know. discord set in. And then uh, God said, well, here, these animals kill the animals and use the skin to cover yourselves then. And so, I mean, very hands-on, in-your-face, Real, they, they death. Maybe for the first the time, we don't know that. It I doesn't would, say that, but it doesn't say that. But I would, I mean, they see an animal die. They see an animal die, and that blood fly, uh, that flows. Been mm-hmm. So, I mean, that would have been very tragic. I mean, that would have been that would have been as sad as it is today, probably yeah. for a child to experience the death of a pet or the yeah. death of a, you know, death mm-hmm. is devastating. Mm-hmm. And I am sure, and and so immediately, this, that's the real consequences of that separation is mm-hmm. um, is death. And, w- and the further we kind of remove ourselves from that in a way or the kind of when we try to hide that or cover it or, fruit or escape that, I think that we do ourselves harm in not recognizing how devastating sin is, not just for ourselves, but the world around us too. Yeah. It hurts It hurts the world. It sin, destroys. It just, sin yes. kills, steals, and destroys and um, and so when it you know when, with the sacrifices and stuff it seems so gory kind of it seems kind of a harsh thing but it's God's reminder it's kind of primitive somehow we've got the idea it, but it does feel primitive but it is that it it's a it's a mercy really of a reminder that the consequences sin, of sin and the covering that it provides that that right. that it's got right. a message of, of of condemnation and judgment but also a message of hope yes. and restoration and so yeah. it would have been very important to remember that i mean it, in terms of a you talk about lineage or passing it down or um 
And, and why would they constantly be so, it seems like, concerned with these sacrifices? Because at the heart of it, that is what the, I mean, that is what the Messiah, and that's what he says, ultimately these sacrifices will be, the culmination will be, I will be sacrificed mm-hmm, for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just, the importance of that, uh, it's, it's not something that's like, oh, and then they sacrificed. It's, oh, they, they sacrificed. They know. They yeah. realize. And this and, was a picture in their minds. It was a living example and picture of the redemptive plan mm-hmm. of God for centuries. Now, the, started, we see it first. Adam and Eve took the sins of these creatures, these animals that were killed, and, and, and they covered themselves. Then they 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 required and led their children, Cain and Abel, to 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 bring a sacrifice. They were teaching them. Of course, one disobeyed Cain and all. But the idea was that Abel knew he brought another, this, uh, an animal who who was killed. He's covered with this, so it had it, it was a provision, and and that was the idea mm-hmm. is that this was the picture and a reminder that the the, the relationship with God could re- be restored it was going to be restored through the mechanism of substitutionary atonement not 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 ultimately by bulls and goats and animals but that God was going to provide he said a human being a seed of the woman mm-hmm. who would who would destroy the work of satan and he but he himself would be wounded on our behalf and uh substitutionary atonement see if you don't know what the big word atonement just think of at one moment we are we are put at one we made at one now restored to that oneness relationship with god because of this atoning mm-hmm. uh, uh plan this atoning work that god carried out which does in bring history. us to abram is that right? which brings to- us <laughs> to chapter uh, well, no, we're not, we're not there not yet. There. We're talking about. We've talked about God of creation. We've talked to the man. We talked about man uh, created in innocence, uh, fell into sin. Uh, so uh, Adam and Eve had a decision to make about God from the side of sinless innocence. Mm-hmm. After the fall of man, mankind, the whole race of mankind, fell into sin and therefore under the condemnation and judgment of sin death but we still have a means of choosing the relationship with god we have a second chance and that is now we approach all of us approach the the relationship with god from the side of fallen sinful weak human beings for this time it goes too fast so that's man the world we we still got to come back and about, talk about the world we live in. We'll do that really quickly, <laughs> and we'll get to the flood. Uh, Abraham in chapter seven, the flood, in, in uh, six chapter six and seven. Then Abraham in chapter uh, twelve. Don't forget the Tower of Babel. We're going to talk about that as well. <laughs> we'll be back. Don't go away, folks. You need to do a Bible Live playlist. <laughs> you need to start doing CDs of, of uh, these playlists. They're oh, good yeah. stuff. A lot of them would come from Johnny That's Cash, so but that, I remember that from Bob Dylan. But uh, good never, to hear. I vaguely, heard, uh-huh. but I don't think I've ever really. No, nah, you don't know either one of them really well, do you? No, I young. wish I knew. Well, Johnny Cash, I do for sure. I, I don't know Bob Dylan very well, yeah. though. Well, here we go. We've got one more segment, sweetie. Uh, daughter Stacy's here with me, so we're gonna. <laughs> Uh, we, we talked about God of creation, the man as created, what was our purpose. We, the, the world that we're going to live in now, 
what happens once you choose God and trust God? All of a sudden, you live in the protective bubble the rest of your life, and you, everything's going to go right, and there's no problem. You never get sick. Nothing ever goes wrong for you again because you've made the right decision to choose God. No, no, that wouldn't that wouldn't work in the first place. That wouldn't be just and fair, and it wouldn't be effective in finding people who really want and desire God. So the world we live in now is a uh, good and evil coexist in this world. Not only even with people, but also even the the, the yeah. earth. The yeah. earth groans uh, know, under the earth. under the consequences of sin as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the earth, we're told in the scripture the the earth groans. So the, the world we live in is is a closed, essentially closed system. It doesn't mean that there aren't miracles and God doesn't step in in moments. But generally speaking, it's a closed system ruled only by morally neutral natural laws and good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people uh, and and every kind of combination so we live all under the same laws and and just because we give our life to god doesn't mean we don't have problems in fact that gives us as god's people a chance to live out our faith and our trust in god and our relationship with god Uh, i think in some ways quite often the I know I came to Christ because of when I was a seven-year-old boy living in an orphanage and all the difficulties I went through, passed around to 16 families before I was six. The greatest influence that helped me come to my faith in Christ and want to know God was a 16-year-old boy named Danny Fletcher that I idolized and, and, and really like I was seven and I was eight years old. He was a great athlete, you know, really fine guy, and, and I, I looked up to him. But he had had tremendous problems. The court, the judge had sent him there as a last resort before going to uh, juvenile detention. Uh, he he had a terrible home background. He was rough and meaner and than a junkyard dog, as they say. He had a foul mouth, everything mean and angry at the world. And he 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 came to Jesus Christ. He came to faith in Christ, and he he changed right before our eyes. The rest of us boys. And I said, I want that. I want that. And so sometimes it's the problems that the way God's people have problems and find solutions and live out their solutions, that could be the greatest witness of our faith, of the reality of of God himself is a change and transform life. So that's part of the world we live in as well. We all live under the same rules. There's no bed of roses just because we love God and trust God. Now, generally speaking, if you trust God and love God and obey God, in general terms, you know, the things will go better for you, no doubt. Right. Well, but there, then it doesn't preclude system, problems yeah. and difficulties right. and illnesses His or whatever. laws are for you. They're never against you. They're not meant to hurt you or to lead you to mm-hmm. illness or to death. And so living in obedience to His laws tends to, yeah. I think, be life-promoting. So in that setting, we have the purpose of God is laid out here in the book of Genesis I'm calling out a people for myself. I will be their God. They will be my people. So every generation, just as, as we saw in Genesis 6, the most of humanity had rebelled against God and disobeyed God, lived in corruption and lust and, and every kind of defilement and perversion that there could be, rejecting God. It came down to Noah and his family. Uh, and so God's judgment fell on the earth. And once again, God tells Noah and his family, be fruitful and multiply, spread out over all the earth. Uh, that, was, that was his desire for them. Uh, and we're going to see they don't, they don't obey him. 
But before we get too much further, Stacey, I want you to take some time to uh, lay out this element that we see in the book of Genesis chapter 12, this element of, of um, redemption, because in chapter 12, chapters 1 through 11 of Genesis deals with the whole human race. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then after the pattern is set and that we understand what's going on, then God moves to pick a man, mm-hmm. Abram and his wife. Uh, Abram and Sarah, Sarai, she becomes, they changes their, both of their names eventually. But then he picks a- Abraham and Sarah that we know about, and he be- we begin now to follow their life, their ch- Abraham, Isaac, their son, then Jacob, his son. And so we begin now to follow this family of believers that God is going to work in them, with them, and through them, and speak to them and through them, and, and we're going to learn uh, He's going to continue to give explanation and clarification and uh, um, revelation Mm -hmm. of who he is and what he's doing, his redemptive plan. Talk a little bit about that, especially Genesis chapter 15. 15. It's a key chapter. Yeah, it is, and I'll I'll (coughs) do my best. I I had the great privilege of going um, with Ray Vanderlaan of That the World May Know uh, to Israel in 2000. And so if anybody... Uh, Ray tells this, so he's just a gifted <coughs> teacher. Uh, and so go you know, go visit That the World May Know to kind of listen to, to it fed better. But um, That the World May that Know. That the World May Know. Dot, uh, dot com. Dot com, uh-huh. okay. Yeah, and, uh, and it would be the, the covenant. So you just look up the Abrahamic covenant. And you might, you know, know this, but I just, this to me is especially touching because I think this is one of the first times that, um, we really understand that his that the atonement that the justice that's going to be had that he is going to take the justice upon himself, and I think we we see it a little bit in the rainbow in the sky. He places the rainbow as a promise, um, and mm-hmm. yeah, I always uh, Tim Keller I think says it so beautifully that the rainbow a bow is a symbol of a warfare, and the bow is pointed up. In, in the with the with the rainbow, in other words, God's going to turn that bow on Himself. Judgment is not going to be turned back on. I don't know how much Noah necessarily mm-hmm. understood that, but with Abraham, and at this point it's Abram, and, and still in fifteen, he would have very clearly understood this. So God is um, appro- comes to Abram, and He's going to make a covenant. I am going to bless <laughs> you through your descendants. I'm going to mm-hmm. fill the earth. Um, out of your he addresses that redemptive plan to yes. call out a people for himself yes. and now, through you all through the other you. nations of the world yes. will be blessed but you're going to be a royal nation yes. i was just thinking about the the peace and the, and the bow uh, because the the ark was given as a symbol of peace right that mm-hmm. i will no longer i will the not rainbow. destroy the uh-huh. earth uh, the rainbow was given as a through judgment mm-hmm. through flood mm-hmm. again and, and that, that that does tie in pretty well yeah. and that the that the ark of the bow was face toward God himself, right, who is going to pay the price. Yeah, I'm going to pay it. Purchase so, our peace. Mm-hmm, yeah. and, uh, and, so, and then kind of building on that with Abram, with Abram he's um, going to make you know, a covenant. Um, I, through, now, through you, I'm going to create uh, mm-hmm. this atonement. Through you. It's and a remarkable I, chapter, chapter 15. Indeed. It really is in a number yes. of different ways. Yeah. God paints for Abraham. Uh, he he, he gave, 400 years in advance, he tells them right. how you're, you know, leave your land, go in, I'm going to give you Canaan, but right now they're not ready for judgment. 
but then you're going to go down into Egypt, another land for 400 years, and then you're coming. And he tells him what's going to happen, and it's exactly what happens to the people of Israel going down to Egypt and so on. But then he, to Abram, he, he does something theatrical, very yeah. dramatic. Well, it would have been... Uh, Paint this, the scene for us. Sure, what? and evidently, I mean, this would have been kind of in ancient times what you would have done uh, to show the seriousness with which you take this covenant or this promise and so you know if, if this something like a treaty between right between uh, uh, two warring factions mm-hmm. or a promise of maybe even marriage or a reform this would have been how s- this would have been a very 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 serious covenant because it would be um if i break this so what you would have done it w- you would have created a blood path and so they would have taken uh, you know, and it says in Genesis 15, the the goat, the um, the bird, a, a, the, heifer. a heifer, the cow, and they would they would kill them. They would they would half ha- cut them in half, and uh, then one. So, and the parties that have made this promise to one another, they would get on you know one side of this path, and they would walk through this path, symbolizing that if I do not live up to my end of this bargain, if I do not live up to this, if I this promise, if I break the covenant, if I break the covenant, you can do to me what has been done to the. You can kill me. You know, you can do to me what has been done to these mm-hmm, animals. Mm-hmm. And so Abram would have been in. I mean, he would have been in awe. I'm sure of what was happening. He would have been. I'm sure very honored that God would come to him, but at the same time he would have been like, "I'm I'm doomed. There's no way I can I'm going to survive this. There's no way I'm going to be able to live up to this. I'm I'm a dead man walking. Essentially, I'm sure is you know. And but when it came time, so God in it has the two flame the flames right that are in the, and when it comes time, so one goes through. And when it comes time for Abram, though, to go through, basically God says, nope, no, not only will I walk through myself, but Abram, even if you don't live up to it, I I will walk through for you as well. And I mean, that that to Abram would have been just a, you know, that would have been too almost a too good to be true (laughs) A relationship, and you can see right there. You know, we we tend to sometimes think of Abram's relationship with God as kind of a cold thing in a way. I, I don't know if ever that's been your tendency to and how to view that, but in that moment, I think you can understand. I mean, I, Abram just falling on his knees in awe and love and admiration and gratitude for God's goodness. I mean, right there, God's saying, "I'm going to make you this promise." But I know you're going to break it, and you, I'm going to take the punishment of you breaking this promise. So and God it, took both. So God, he he yes. swore this an oath on himself. It was a covenant yes. that God made right. with himself. Pretty much, yeah. For, because both the both uh, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the sun went down and darkness fell. Abram saw a smoking fire pot yeah. and a flaming torch, mm-hmm. the two passing through the halves of the carcasses. Mm-hmm. So so God walked through for Abram. Yes. And it's the idea, right? right? In other words, if, if, if you or I break it, I will be the one that dies. And I mean, it, for, and I think that that kind of, you know, I, that's, that's true. That is, the, that is at the heart of, of grace. 
I mean, grace propels us to, we don't love, we don't obey God because he's this cruel, powerful, I mean, he is powerful and we could obey him for that. He is awesome, but we obey him because he loves it. I mean, Our he, f- he motivation has, is not fear. It's not fear. It's, it's love. love. It's love. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's the first mm-hmm. um, real taste and and just image of, of of what we know does happen, and that is exactly Jesus walks, Jesus pays the price for us not living up to our end of the promise. So Genesis chapter fifteen, then very pivotal, like Genesis three yeah. fifteen, the first pronouncement of a messiah of a redeemer of a savior god's redemptive plan through substitutionary atonement now we get a little bit more uh, clarity in genesis 15 that this is this god's redemptive plan depends wholly and entirely upon upon god's purposes god's faithfulness and god's love it's not even a little bit built on our performance, mm-hmm. our, our earning it, or our deserving it, or our completing. Abram it's purely by grace, right. yeah. by his love and by grace, we receive the free gift of salvation. Mm-hmm. As Paul said many centuries later in the, to, in, in the letter uh, of the, the, the Ephesians, mm-hmm. you know, by grace you've been saved. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the God's salvation is a gift, a free gift to us. So wonderful, powerful passage in Genesis chapter 15. Yeah. Let me, let me, I do want to back up really quickly, though, to return to that theme of, of um, be fruitful and multiply. It's, it is an important principle back in Genesis chapter 11. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the Tower of Babel, yes. Remember, Noah comes out of the ark. Once again, he's told, uh, be fruitful and multiply, spread out over the all, and they don't do it. They don't do it. Again, they disobey God. And and in chapter 11, the, it even starts by telling us that the people said to each other, let's let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone and tar was used for mortar. Let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky so they could avoid a flood again if it came. And this will also make us famous and keep us from being scattered over all the world. So they were intentionally, you know, they'd, they'd gotten the, the commandment, they'd gotten the instructions, but they, again, they wanted to stay together. Now, you can see that God's plan was for them to spread out and multiply diversity of cultures and people groups. Why? And at least one of the reasons uh, I believe I've come to understand and see could be for other factors involved as well. But one of the reasons was that with the sin nature now, as part of the human experience, this inherent, innate, irrevocable, irresistible tendency to selfishness and sin, then uh, if human beings stayed in lockstep, one culture, one, they would do, again, what would happen, they would go in lockstep to judgment. To, mobocracy. Yeah, yeah, the mobocracy would set in, and they would come under judgment, and God would, again, so God wanted them to spread and multiply because it served, among other things, at least, it served... Uh, uh, as a, a mitigating factor on the sin nature. Mm-hmm. God insisted he wanted them to spread out so that when some evil king rises up over here, uh, uh, maybe an equally king, uh, another evil, evil king, king. <laughs> another evil king would rise up and oppose him. So the, the whole race would not walk in lockstep to judgment, to wickedness and evil, but mm-hmm. there would be, uh, there would be, um, there still would be wars, but it would be regional uh, national wars against each, each other, not the whole human race right. going into lockstep. And 
And so we see that set up uh, at the Tower of Babel. God confuses their languages, and finally he accomplishes what he had told both Adam and Eve and Noah to do, spread out. He accomplishes the diversification, the spreading of different people groups around the earth. Uh, And then we see it turn from chapter 11. We see uh, uh, the line of descendants from Shem to Abram, and then we pick up with, with Abram. Uh, he's called to go into a, God says, pick up, leave your family. I'm going to take you to a land that you don't know about, that's not your own. And he takes them to what we know now as the land of, of Canaan, the land of Israel. Uh, he shows them that land, and he says, it's not ready yet. Uh, your, your people are going to be taken down into, he said, a foreign land for 400 years. And, and then he said, by then, the people of this land will be ripe for judgment and I will use your people. I will bring them back to this land. And that's exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. The people of Israel, uh, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob, and then Jacob, and one of Jacob's sons, Joseph, takes them down into Egypt. God uses him to prepare the way for the people of Israel, uh, the, you know, the, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to go down in, into Egypt. They stay there for 400 years, and then God brings them out, and they are used as an instrument of judgment on the wickedness of the Amorites and others that lived in Canaan at that time. So it's all there for us. Now, there's some details we hadn't talked about. We've got a little more time. Uh, Melchizedek, uh, after we talk about Abraham is introduced in chapter 12, we hear his story. He he and Sarah uh, go down into Egypt. Um, uh, Abram and his, his nephew Lot goes with him. Uh, and then we have the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, Abram is, becomes a warrior. He goes and rescues Lot, who is taken as a prisoner of war. He goes and rescues his nephew Lot and in, in his material. Then we see this this being, uh, this being, this man named Melchizedek, who's sort of mysterious, but he's a man uh, not from the lineage of Abraham, but he worships the true and living God. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, we talked before is that yeah. people knew about God, the Creator. People knew about the the. This information was passed. Certain people knew about there was a creator God and and so on. Melchizedek, uh, he met him and, and Abram uh, tithes, gives an offering to Melchizedek. And centuries, centuries later, we're told that Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, who comes to be that redeemer, that savior, that last Adam, the next Adam, mm-hmm. uh, he is our high priest now, after the order of Melchizedek. And this is a reference that comes back to here in chapter 14. And then in chapter 15, we have this incredible promise that Stacy just laid out, this covenant that God makes within himself. The redemptive plan is not going to be dependent even in tiny part on something we contribute. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's our faith and our trust in God's faithfulness in, in him accomplishing right. the redemptive plan through the Son of God. God took on the the Word became flesh and dwelled mm-hmm. among us, mm-hmm. and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, as the Gospel of John lays it out in chapter 14, mm-hmm. or chapter 1, um, there, that, that the Word became John 1, 12. So that's, that's, we see that first picture of that in a more complete sense in Genesis 15, although it's been laid out before. Mm-hmm. So there we go. I mean, we're off and running. We have uh, we have Abraham. Then we have um, which he was. So he was, and we've been referring to him as Abram and uh-huh. Abraham. So just so Abram means exalted father, and then he becomes Abraham, 
Which after means, that covenant. After that covenant, meaning father, father of, many, of many nations. Uh, many, yeah. And Sarai, Sarah becomes, uh, Sarai is named Sarah. Mm-hmm. Her name is changed as well. Um, so, and then we get to talk about, uh, remember he tells Abraham and tells Abram, uh, Abraham and Sarah that they're going to have a child. Mm-hmm. Sarah laughs. She can't believe it. You know, she thinks that's ridiculous. She's about 75 yeah, at this and, point. Is that right? No, she is. Um, Abraham is 75. Uh-huh. She's, uh, I guess, is old, but she they're, big, they're both too old at this time. He yeah. has to wait seven, uh, 25 years for that promise <laughs> to come true. So God puts their faith to the too. test, right? I mean, yeah. really, it would probably be enough to have a child at 75, but now wait till you're 100. Oh, yeah. Uh, but they lose their patience. They don't wait on God's plan. And so they try to say, God, they help God out with his plan. And so they have a child named uh, Ishmael through Sarah's handmaiden. Mm-hmm. And Ishmael uh, becomes his first son, but it's not the son of promise. The son of promise comes through Sarah, as, as was promised. And there we come, uh, Isaac, whose name means laughter. Because his mother laughed when God told him he was, she she was going to have a child, so um, you, there you, you have it. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah yeah. then come. Uh, God, that story of God's judgment on those c- cities, uh, a lot of corruption and perversion and so on. But you know, one of the, the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. I, I wonder if any of our listeners know the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. We always think of it as sexual impurity and, and of course that was a part of the experience we we see it very clearly mm-hmm. there um but actually we're told in another place now maybe someone will have to look it up because i it, it was actually the selfishness and they were not generous they did not take care of the mm-hmm. the poor mm-hmm. uh and it, it, that always surprises people when i tell them that that the actual the sin of sodom and gomorrah uh, for which they were judged was uh, with selfishness and lack of generosity, lack Damn. of taking care of the the yeah. the, the sick and the, and the poor and the needy. <laughs> Do, were the sick and the poor and the needy, though, also um, considered innocent? I guess not, though, because, remember, I mean, are there even 10 innocent people? Yeah, and that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, if there are even 10, if there are even five, if there and, and it was pretty much just no, his family. It, it was, was just, yeah, just so lot. It's an interesting, um, I mean, but I, I did, this actually came up in our community group this um, week because we were talking about prayer and uh-huh. Um, you know, there's the Lewis your Pope. church has uh, community groups yes. uh, that break out in the, yes. uh, during the week uh-huh. in Bible studies. So you were at your community yes. group, uh-huh. and um, we were talking about prayer. It was this week's sermon, and, and just and you know, that quote of Lewis is always kind of prayer doesn't change God; it changes me. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of but um, and how much does prayer? And we don't have much time, so I, I know I'm kind of throwing out a, a mm-hmm. big one here. But no, it's all right. do did do you believe did Abraham change God's mind here? Oh, we're already. Oh, we can talk about that next time. All right, <laughs> we'll be back note. next week, folks. <laughs> we'll talk about. <laughs> the, I had not potted the uh, the sound up again, so we'll be back next week, next yeah. Sunday evening. Uh, stay with us. We'll we'll get through the book of Genesis and go right on into the book of uh, Exodus as well. This coming week, I believe that is. See you then.
The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. 